How many of you really do like reading your Bible? I mean, really? <laughs> okay, because tonight we're going to talk and read a lot from the Bible. Amen? <laughs> All right. Because, you know, I really like the teaching aspect of, of ministry. Uh, I, I, I just love that. I love being taught. I love listening to the Word of God, having the Word of God broken down. I love seeing all the, the things that, that come out of the Word of God. And I'm telling you, for me, that's what gets me going. Uh, you know, some people, they just get in God's presence and they just begin to worship. And, and I love doing that as well. But when I really am trying to tap into the presence of God, I just begin to read and to let the words come off the page, right? I mean, how long has it been since you've read God's word and, and literally felt the words leap off the page into your heart? That's, that's what God has intended for us. Last sun, this past Sunday, we spoke about what is God's will. And we've spoke about how generally we will put God's will in a realm of just what decisions do I need to make to be in God's will? What job am I supposed to take? Who am I supposed to marry? All of these things. What is God's will in this situation? That's what we spoke about. And we brought, brought out the fact that God's will, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. You know, when we look at what it means to walk in God's will, it literally means to walk in his ways, to walk in what he has said. God has a, a plan and a purpose for us. I don't want us to fear that if I make a wrong decision or if I go in the ditch somewhere, if I take the wrong turn, that I'm, that I'm over here sinking in some, some second class, uh, life. For myself, I want you to understand that when we're walking and serving and following God, he already knows the choices that we will make, right? He is om omniscient, means he knows all things. He's never sitting there waiting for you to make your choice because he already knows what, you, what choice you'll make. In other words, if God just sat back and said, okay, what are you going to choose? That would be a time period when he doesn't know something. So God doesn't ever not know something. So I want you to understand that you can have faith in God's overall will for your life. You can have faith that God is going to work it out because he sees the end from the beginning. The, the whole point of this, these messages was something that really plagued me. And it was my inability or uh, fear to make decisions. I, I, I'm always, I was always fearful to make the wrong decision. And I'm talking about if it was a matter of going get something to eat. That's simple. Going somewhere to get something to eat uh, or big decisions, small decisions. I, I noticed that when it came time to make a decision, I would be paralyzed. So that's kind of where this came from. So really, I just want to share with you some things that I, that I believe the Lord spoke to my heart about. And maybe you can apply it and it'll help you in your situation. Amen. God's sovereign plan, his, his ability to govern the entire world, the universe, to make sure that all the stars are where they're supposed to be, to make sure that the sun is where it's supposed to be. He tells the waves how far to come up, right? He tells the moon when to come out, all of these things. He tells the trees how high to grow, how, the grass how high to grow. God's in control of all of those things. And so you can have assurance that God is also in control of us. So he's, he's in the big decisions, he's in the small decisions, and here's the, the bottom line. 
have confidence in God's ability to help you in your life. You know, we look at Paul. Paul wanted to go to Asia. Obviously, that was a good place to go. He's in the, he's in the, 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 the ministry. He's walking with God, but God intervened and sent him to Macedonia. So obviously, God will interject and change the circumstance, change your position to go somewhere else so you can have a confidence to know that even when we're trucking down the wrong road, God and his abilities will come in and move us over. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight plain your paths. Proverbs 16, 9, I like this verse. In your heart, you plan your life, but the Lord decides where your steps will take you. I like it the way it says it in that translation. We also talked about the criteria. How do I make biblical decisions? We talked about that on, on Sunday as well. But tonight... I want to give you some benefits, some that you can be, that you can have freedom that comes when you know that you can make decisions in the will of God. And then I want to talk about some gray areas. How do we navigate the gray areas of life, right? Things that are not necessarily sin or a group of people views it as sin. Another group views it as, as not sin. All of these things will come into your life at some point. And, and I believe that there are some things in the word of God that, that I see that I've been applying and I really believe it'll help you as well. Amen. All right. Number one, freedom from guilt and stress. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Let me read it again to you. Lean on, trust in and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Look, look at this. In all your ways, know so this is how, what that looks like. I know God. I know God's word, right? That's how I would apply that. Recognize. So I recognize how, what does he say about this situation? How does he think I should handle this situation? That, at that point, you get counsel, right? We talked about that last Sunday. Get counsel. Grab people that you trust and bring them around you and say, what are you seeing that I am not seeing? And then prayer, obviously. Seek God. So acknowledge, recognize and acknowledge. And acknowledging comes when we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to make this decision because I feel like I've gathered all the facts and I feel like I'm going to make the decision that you would want me to make. Amen. I don't know if maybe you all make decisions. Great. If not, I'd like to talk with you after the service. <laughs> all right. So listen, we can be comfortable knowing that God is not trying to trick us. God has not hidden something from us that he does not want us to find, right? If there's three decisions to make and they're good decisions, I used to feel like, oh man, this is torture. But I've realized that those are three blessings that I have an opportunity or options, right? Do you view that as that way? Or do you say, man, I just want God to tell me, right? That's what, that's how I was. I just want God to tell me what he wants me to do. Listen, God wants us to make wise decisions based on his word, based on prayer, based on principles. And we can have a peace knowing that we are following God's plan and will. It's that simple, really. I think if our heart is postured in a way that we want to honor God in all that we do, God will help us make the right decision. Point number two, freedom of hearing counsel speak. You know, for me... <laughs> Proverbs 15, 22, where there is no counsel, purposes are frustrated, but where many counselors are, 
they are accomplished. Now, I'm going to tread lightly in many of these verses because if I say something wrong, it could be taken wrong. So I don't want to do that, obviously. But the God spoke to me about this card that many people flippantly use, right? Generally trumps every option. If you come to me and you say, God spoke to me about this, I will, I will say, okay, well, then you don't need my advice. You don't need my counsel because I will not go against what God's word, God has said to you. Now, I mean, really, for me to, or, or anybody to say something contrary to that w- would not be good. So I'm careful when I say the Lord spoke to me about something. Now, listen, if you've talked, if you heard the, the sermon from Pastor Todd, God speaks to us. God speaks supernaturally. God can speak audibly. God can speak through dreams and visions, right? God can speak. I mean, you can hear the voice of God if you tune in. And at that point, you know, and you don't need any other option, right? You don't even need counsel. At that point, you just follow through and you can rest assured that it's going to work out. But a lot of times, the God told me card is played on a whim, on an emotion, on a, a bent towards a certain direction, right? In other words, like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who spoke to Moses, the God who spoke the world into existence, told you where to go eat. (laughs) I mean, maybe so. Maybe God has a reason and a purpose. I'm just trying to tell you, I don't always, unless I know it's from God, I want counsel. And I believe God will impress you to the point where you know that you are hearing from God. Amen? Okay. I just want to make sure that we all understand. Sometimes it's caffeine or pizza. It's true. You have that good cup of coffee, you talkative, man. Let me tell you something, the revelation and, you know, all these different things. So you got to be careful because, listen, I never want to say something that God has not said. Never. We, Because we live in grace, it's like, Sometimes we feel like we can just attach God's name to anything. And I I think that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I I mean, it's something that, it's a a high conviction that I I hold to in in my own life. Now, surround yourself with, with family and friends that have wise, godly counsel. Surround yourself in your small groups. Or in your life group, people that you trust, people that you see the, the pattern of walking in a godly lifestyle, right? Those decisions, talk with them amongst each other. Husbands and wives, talk to each other. You know, God wired us totally different. I'll give you an example that I heard and it stuck with me all these years. When JFK was shot, the men would say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about Russia? What are we going to do about the country? Who, who's going to step in? And, and all these different things. What, is the vice president, is he able to do this? But a woman or the wife is looking at this situation and saying, poor Jackie. Poor, the poor kids. What about his family? It's not a bad way to view it. We're just wired different. 
So when you're a husband or wife and you come together and you begin to discuss something, trust the leading of the Lord that you are both seeing some aspects that you can apply to your own situation. And at that point, when you come to into agreement, walk that situation out. Amen. Now, I actually changed this part in the sound booth. Because <laughs> once again, I didn't want it to sound bad. Number three, freedom from feelings as the fleece. Okay? Sometimes I had peace. I, I had peace there. Fe freedom from peace as the fleece. And here's why. Peace is peace always the deciding factor on making a decision? That's a question that, you know, you can ask yourself. It can be because I've had peace, peace about something, right? You've had peace about something. You made the decision. It worked out. But how many of you, if you're honest, have had situations in your life you thought you had peace and you took that route and it was the wrong, wrong way out? So the, the, the thing that I want to bring out here is that peace is a way God speaks to us, but it's not the, the, the card that we should always go by. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to tell you why I'm saying that, because I believe me, I can see your eyes burning me like Superman's heat. Eye, and, you know, but I'm telling you, if you if you if you hear me out, you'll see what I'm talking about. Our feelings can go all over the place when it comes to decisions. Many times I wake up on a Saturday morning, I want to go buy a TV. <laughs> or shoes or whatever. By the time I get there and get in the line, I no longer have peace. God's peace does not bring buyer's remorse, amen? <laughs> Emotional spurts can get us in trouble. Have you ever made a decision when you were angry? Okay, all right. Now, if you have a peace about something, in my mind, I used to always see that as a godly, ref a godly reflection of a godly yes. Like, I have peace, go. But as I begin to learn about trusting in God's overall plan and purpose and being able to make decisions within the plan and purpose that I believe that, that God has. And I begin to see that there are certain things that you can apply to your life to gain some type of understanding in the way that God would have us to go. Now, listen, once again, if God has spoken something, go with, go with it, right? If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God has spoken, Go with it. And sometimes it won't be peace. Sometimes you got to do something you don't want to do. So that's what I'm saying. Just because there's peace involved does not mean it's always, listen, you're always and I'm always going to pick the, the, the less bumpy road. We're going to pick the straight path. We're not going to go out here in the, in the bumpy road and change the flat tire and get back. We're not going to do all that. We're going to always bend towards what benefits us as part of this sinful nature. Amen. Now listen. What is peace in making a decision, right? Because there is that. So what is it? From a biblical point of view, there's peace with God. This is the number one thing that, that you and I can be confident in when it comes to, to making decisions. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So we start with godly peace. Then there's 
sanctifying peace. We talked about that. God's will for our life is sanctification, walking out in his ways, walking in holiness, right? Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I'm only going to tell you, I know you're like, 17 verses? No, we have some verses later. But I want to tell you, I want you to go back and read these. And I'm going to read you what it looks like to have your life in Christ. And then you can go back and see what you got to put to death. Okay? That's some little homework for you. Do it if you don't want to. That's fine with me. I don't grade paper. Look at verse 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Look at verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Because the reason I brought this out, because I was thinking, I've had people come to the office, sit, you know, with the husband or wife and say, God spoke to me and I have peace that we should get divorced. And I'm like, so biblical ground. Well, no, no we just don't see eye to eye. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not living like this anymore. Now, there's biblical grounds for divorce. Obviously, that's a whole different deal. I will not even attempt to get into that right now, but I'm just talking about interaction, okay? Now listen, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Verse 10, put on your new nature, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Verse 12, clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Verse 14, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness richness, fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. So this peace comes from your new nature in Christ right? You see that when you walk out the things of God, when you walk out what God's putting on the inside of you, look, make that right. When you walk that out, you actually have this peace that is governing and you know it. You're like, man, I'm so glad I made the right decision in this area. Now, listen, that peace doesn't affect one decision. It affects the overall way of your life. Do you see that? It's the peace of God that rules and reigns in every area of your life. So in a divorce situation, I would say, okay, well, this is what God's will relationally says. Have you been doing that? How, you know, are you for quick to forgive and all these things? That's how you apply God's will to a circumstance. You see, you find the verses that are talking about what you're dealing with. You go into the moral will of God and begin to apply those principles and that peace that is already on you because you're following Jesus will begin to help you in those situations. Amen? Okay. You, you with me? Okay. Now let me read this verse to you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We read this verse and we, we look at it a certain way, but I want to tell you this verse is so much better and so much bigger than that. Listen to what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So the context is Paul is in prison. He is waiting to, to, to be judged, basically, and he's encouraging the Philippians who are frantic, who are worried, who are scared. And, his, and he begins to teach them and give them instructions. This is his whole letter. Now, the key to understanding this peace is in the word, peace. It means 
an active peace between warring parties. So it's a relational peace, okay? So I want you to see. Now, in Strong's, it says this, the tranquil state of a soul that is assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content in its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So listen, this is not some emotional peace that comes on you when you make a right decision. This is a peace that can literally be on you and you can walk in all of your life. Amen? So to just take it as a shot in the arm is not how we should view the peace of God on our life. Listen, we have the peace of God going into a decision. We, we, are, we are walking with God. We are serving God. We can go into that situation, not freaking out, not nervous. We can say, okay, God, I know that you're in control. I know that you've given me some options. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to get counsel on it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look at your word, and I'm going to make a decision. This, I was literally getting out. That's not too much of me. I was getting out of the shower, and for some reason, the Lord will give you things when you can't get to a pin. Right? Driving, right? Okay. Those moments. <laughs> Keep going. And I want you to see two verses that God laid upon my heart when I was looking at this. And we read it before, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Okay? You see that part. Philippians four sixteen. Be anxious for nothing. What's the opposite of being anxious? Trusting. Now listen, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know what the common denominator in that is? Trust and peace that comes in the not understanding. When you don't understand. Think about that. Go back and read those two verses. You can have peace in the not understanding. That means God's peace is already working in our lives. That means we're making decisions in the peace already because we already have a relationship with him. Listen, peace accompanies us throughout all the ups and downs of life. And I'll give you a personal example. Well, let me give you the verse that follows that up. Romans 8, 28. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for the good of those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. You know, if you look at Paul's perspective, he said to live as Christ, to die as gain, right? I mean, Paul was like, I know what, what God wants me to do, and I'm going to make decisions. I, and, and I already know that if I die, so be it. I, you know, to me, I'd rather go be with Jesus, but I'll stay here for the benefit of the church. His overall life was that he was always looking out for, the, for God's ways, Right? If we live our life always saying, God, I want your, your ways in here. I want your motive. I want what you want me to do. I want you for you to tell me and guide me in the directions that you have. You are putting your faith in God's overall plan for your life. You're putting God's plan. You're putting your faith in God's will. His will is to reach out to people. You know, I'm looking at my dad. You know, my dad was dying. I would go lay hands on him every single day. I would pray for him all day, every day. I would wake up at night praying, and many times I would have peace. I would have peace. I'd be like, oh, man, you know, I'd lay hands, walk away like, man, he's healed. And, and I, had, I had peace, you know. But I noticed that I had peace 
even when it looked worse. I had peace when it went down immediately and quickly. And the reason I'm telling you that's what that verse means, because I experienced it. Because I knew that no matter what happened with my dad, he was going to heaven. So I knew the overall plan of God was at work. And I can have peace, not based on how a situation turns out, but that peace can govern your life. And I remember Miss Joyce sitting here when Pastor Brad died. And at the funeral, she was in shock because she said, I know what that peace is like. I, I, I know what that verse is saying. I, I understand. Like she had this peace that was blanketing her. Same thing with, with my family at the funeral. I had this peace, and that's what God wants us to walk in, right? So we don't necessarily have to lose our peace if we miss God, because we can have peace to know that he's going to work it out in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, right? Amen. Because listen to this. I hope you're still tracking with me. This helped me. I'm telling you, I'm different. <laughs> you may not see it that way in, in your own life, but. You do good to apply this. And I know this is more teaching than preaching. It feels kind of awkward, right? But, uh, you know, I feel like you're in Sunday school or something. But, but I really feel this is where the Lord wanted to go tonight. Amen. Look at Jonah. Jonah. God tells him to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, mm-mm. Right? He gets in a boat, goes a different direction. And he's at he's asleep in the boat. People are freaking out. Jonah's at peaceful sleep. Out of the will of God, right? Not going where God told him to go. And he's at peace. God basically wakes him up with this storm. They come in. They say, man, you, you got to go. And then he goes to Nineveh and pouting. In the will of God, no peace. So I'm telling you, it's not necessarily the peace that has to come. I'll give you another example. Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating drops of blood, in agony. That decision, there was no peace, right? He is in agony as he is processing this. So it's not necessarily the peace that God has to govern the decisions we make. It's the word of God. It's the confidence to know that God's going to work it out, that I'm really, it's not a, a license to go make some wrong decisions. It's confidence to know that I'm making the best possible decision that I can make Trying to honor and please God. Amen? I'm trying to tell you that because I'm telling you, if you apply that, you can feel confident. Listen, I was nervous. You can ask Shannon, Burger King, McDonald's. Man, I don't know. What if the McDonald's shake machine probably going to be broken? You know, all these things, right? It, okay. No? Go where you go. <laughs> so I just want to say that. So that closes that aspect. I, and this is really, well, this is kind of quicker. As we keep going, what about the gray areas of your life? Like something that doesn't necessarily say that I shouldn't do this, but you and I have to make decisions. So does, does this choice glorify God? Now, listen, God is glorified when we love others more than ourselves, right? We, we can agree with that. Now, I'll look at this verse. I'm going to read you three verses, and I want you to see God others, and self. Watch how Paul processes this situation. 
So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to the Jews or the Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many will be saved. Now, let me ask you something here. Do you follow Shakespeare that says, to thine own self be true? That's, I mean, a lot of people will say, man, I'm going to do what I want to do. And they can judge and think what they want. That's between them and the Lord, right? That's kind of the mentality you'll see people have. But really, when you read the Bible and you, you see Paul, and you see how Paul looked at situations. Paul is in the middle of a place. Let me tell you what th- how this looks. This right here really baffled me because Paul was in Corinth in a pagan city, one of the most pagan cities to ever exist. And Paul is sitting here and there's these temples that are, that are all over the place and they are sacrificing meat to idols. And then basically what's happening is they're selling the meat out of the back door of the temple and they're going to sell it in Whole Foods. They're going to sell it in the store. And people are coming up to Paul like, Paul, there is meat sacrificed to idols. What say you? Okay. Now you can take this, this situation and apply it to any area that somebody asks you a question about. What do you think about this? Do you think this is wrong? I mean, all, I mean, there's a plethora of things that you can bring this into, but let's let Paul speak. Verse four in first Corinthians chapter eight. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God or there's no, there's only one God. There are many so-called gods, both in heaven and earth. And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. This is going to be a a little lengthy. Do you mind? Okay. All right. Many gods and many lords. But we know that there is only one God, the Father who created everything. And we live for him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything. And through him we have been given life. However, not all believers know this. Meaning, not all believers know that there's no other gods. Like some people's like, no, they got a God over here. With Paul saying that God don't exist, that's a demon. That's, is basically what he's saying. So when we eat food, when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think it's a worship of a real God and their weak conscience is violated. Now it's true we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their own conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weaker believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. Now watch this. And when you sin against other believers... By encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. When I read that, it slapped the stew out of me because I read it and it's like the light bulb went off. It, it, and when I saw it, I, I started looking at different areas of life, my life, and I took that context and brought it in and said, oh man. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul follows this, this, this thought up. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but every, not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed 
to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned about your own good, but for the good of others. Wow. Do we do that? Do we do that in our own life? Can I encourage us, me, you? That's a, a, a principle that we should definitely apply in making decisions. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising a question of conscience. For the earth is the Lord and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer, watch this, ask you to come home and eat dinner, accept the invitation, and if you want to, eat whatever is offered to you without raising the question of conscience. Now watch this. But suppose someone tells you, this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. So Paul's saying if there's a believer that's there and, he's, and he looks at you and says, man, don't eat that. that, that that's been offered to an idol. Paul's saying, then don't eat it. Think about that. If I can thank God for my food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you see the context now? It's not just about going to get a job and all these things. It's literally about not offending a fellow believer. Don't give offense to the Jew or the Gentile, the church of God. I try to please everyone in everything I do. I, ju I, do I don't just do what's best for me. I do for others that they may be saved. Okay, what decision is in a gray area that you can be confronted with and you, and you can apply this principle to your life? And, and here's the reason I brought it out. It's the genuineness of Paul's motive. It's the spirit behind the freedom that he has in making this decision. You see that? It's not legalism. Listen, people will rope you into their legalistic ways. Trust me. Right? They will, they will say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, and rope you in. But here's a, a formula that you can apply in making gray area decisions. Number one, is my heart postured, first of all, to honor God. Number two, in humility, am I really trying to win all people? Like that's something that you and I have to answer for ourselves. And number three, don't be ruled by your freedom. Hmm. We, we do that. We, we get ruled by, this is my choice. I can make my decision. You just religious. You're going to have to just deal with that on your own. I'm going to make my decision based on that. Paul's thought process was like, look, I'm trying to get the legalist, right? I'm trying to get the, 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 the Christian that, that you can't eat this, you got to dress a certain way, but tongue is this long gossiping. Hello? Right, seriously. <laughs> wow, that, that shocked me. Listen what Paul says again. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations, I become a servant to any, to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized. I try to take on their point of view. And listen, this is what we do. One person in that group offends us, we write off the whole group, right? A religious person tells you, oh, you can't wear this, because that represents this and you follow this trail like, well, how do we, do we do this with everything? Do we do, do we, do we, if this shirt is made by this person and it was built here and over here and it supports this and do, do, do we do that in every area? Because this is what happens. I've been judged based on wearing something and I, and I'm like, seriously, we're, we're looking at that. And I was condemned 
by the religious. And then I had a view like, I don't care what a religious person said. Right? So at that point, we're just writing off a whole group of people that Jesus died for. Right? See how it's changing our mindsets towards things? We often quote Paul, become all things to all men. But we won't do that the other direction. Right? God convicted me about that. I was talking to Pastor Brandon about that today. Become all things to all men. But yet, when it comes to things that we, we think may offend someone, I'm not, that's between them and the Lord. That's, I gotta live my life. I gotta do me. Man, that's a whole different principle that if we begin to wipe the dust off of and start applying, there may be greater blessings that we have not yet seen. That's the beauty of reading scriptures. It's like a treasure chest. You open it up, you see it, you apply it, and you go to another level with God. Because not because you're doing a good work, it's because you're applying a principle that is taking you to the next step. Amen? Now, number two, how will I be affected? Will it put me in bondage? Corinthians says that I will not be enslaved to anything. Is what I'm doing going to cause a particular bondage? Listen, I'll give you a personal example. Drinking. Okay? I was an alcoholic. I have an addictive personality. If I were to go drink a beer, I'm telling you me, okay? Me. If I were to go drink a beer after I cut the grass, like, no big deal. But me? I will cut the grass four days a week. You see what I'm saying? I know not to go near that because it will pull me in. That's my vice. Okay? All right. I just, I just want to let you know. So you, there's some things that you, you got to see what, how it affects you. I'm not saying in that area. I'm saying whatever area that, that you, you know, cause like I said, you can look at all these gray area issues, the gray area that I'm dealing with in my life. I'm, I'm only talking about how you're going to deal with it, right? I can only deal with me. You can deal with you. We can, we're about to wrap it up. Will this activity be beneficial? What good's going to come out of it? Is it going to be good for me? Is it going to cause this person to stumble? Will this activity cause someone else to stumble? Remember, your flesh is always looking for a reason. Your flesh is like a lawyer that is just looking for the inroad. Your flesh is looking at that circumstance to merge with that temper and boom. Your lawyer sits there and like, I saw what was going on. And I've noticed that, you know, if you did point A and point B and point C, you'd feel a lot better. Now, I know God's grace is amazing and all that stuff. And, you know, but God understands when you're in the flesh, right? So while you're in the flesh, do this. God don't talk. I mean, not God, but your flesh don't talk to you that way. Like we got some William G. Flesh, man. <laughs> so listen, when in doubt, seek edification over gratification. That's a principle that, that I, I apply. Now, n- number three, what would Jesus do? WWJD, I see that's becoming a, a comeback. You know, it's, it's, it's on the way. But yeah, you see bracelets and all that stuff. But listen, this is basically, I'm going to just give it to you. First Peter 2, verse 21. He is your example. Follow his steps. So here's what you do. I'm giving you some tools. Okay? That's all this is. The Bible says that he never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. So if I want God's will for my life, when somebody comes at you, if I want to be like Jesus, what would Jesus do? He would 
not, not get involved, right? He would not retaliate. He would allow the Lord to judge that situation. Now, what about issues of, of injustice? Jesus spoke up on injustice. There are issues that, that we do get involved in, right? But we get into it with a positive and pure motive. So here's what I want to tell you as, as we're closing right here. You can stand. And here's the thing that I always look at even more so now as we're getting to the end with the Lord. You will answer for you. I will answer for me. Right? We need to make every decision, not in fear. Listen, I don't want to make a decision that I know I could have made a better decision on and, and cause disappointment in Jesus. I think of that day. I don't know about you. I always think about that day, not in a fearful way. I think about that day of when I'm going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, hey, Kale, if he calls me that, I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk, man. I, I, I've watched your life. I was there. I know everything. I know every motive. I know every thought you thought. I know why you did what you did. And at that moment, could you imagine, put yourself there like, he knows. I think of that now. God, what's my motive? Search my heart. Because when I stand before God, I don't want to see the Lord upset, you know, crying or disappointed, whatever that, that looks like. I want to be able to say, Lord, this is what you gave me. And listen, I did the best that I could do. There were moments that I blew it. There's moments I did my own thing. And that is why I'm eternally grateful that you lived the life I could not live. And I am, and you know, all these things, I, I see the crown, I see the wood, hay, and stubble pile. That's not good. But I see the gold, precious stones, the things that would appear a pure motive. Thank you for the crown. I appreciate that. You have it. I want to give this to you, Lord. You made it possible. You did everything. You just called me to, to, to walk this out. And, and so when I look at things, I don't look at fear and all that stuff. I believe Jesus has died for our sins. He, God judged it at that moment on the cross. I'm looking at the things God is wanting us to do. And when we stand before God, he's going to bring up the things that he wanted us to do. And those that that moment, I want to be able to say, Lord, you do know everything and you do know I did my best. Amen. So I want to just close this time out. If you could say that I don't even know the Lord, I don't even know about that. I, I am not living the way I should live. Listen, I just want to tell you, you can repent right now and ask God to forgive you. And God wipes your slate clean, just as the east is from the west, west, never to remember sin against you anymore. And then you can start walking in the plan and purpose for, for, for your life. And I'm telling you, it won't always be easy, but it will be worth it. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you can say, I don't know Jesus. Like the Bible says, I should know him. I want to know him tonight. I just want you to raise your hand up. I just want to see your hand because I, I know it's Wednesday night. They have a lot of people. I, there you go. I see your hand that, that normally come and, and you're already saved and you're walking with Jesus. But for, for, for those that don't know the Lord, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. And if you have your hand raised, I want you to pray this prayer from the sincerity of, of everything that you are. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you, to cleanse me 
of all sin. Forgive me. I repent. I put my faith in what Jesus did for me at Calvary. And I thank you for the gift of pardon. I am saved. I am born again. I am a child of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Give him a round of applause. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a card in the, in the pew in front of you. If you just take some time to fill it out, we have a gift for you. It has a green tag on the top, and uh, you can bring that, and, and we'll give you a gift. For the rest of you, let me just pray a blessing on you. Father, I just pray right now for your blessing and your grace and power to be on all, upon all of these, Lord, that are here, your children. God, I ask that you would help to make their way straight. God, the, the decisions that they make, Lord, I ask you would give them insight. You would give them power and grace to make. Father, I thank you that you are working all things out for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. You're dismissed. God bless you.